You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians, brought to you today by rockauto.com. You've heard me talk about rockauto.com quite often on this show. They have been our sponsor, one of our fantastic sponsors since the spring. And it's a family-owned business. They have one central hub. Instead of having a lot of stores and a lot of people that you have to employ and pay and pay rent and deal with storage and all that, one central site. You go there to rockauto.com, and you're going to find that you can just shop and compare. They want you to shop and compare because they know their prices are going to beat everyone else's out there. Easy to navigate site. Go find the parts and pieces you need for your car. Be an informed buyer. Get the best deal. Save yourself money. The model for Rock Auto is set up so that they are able to pass the savings that they make with their model to the consumer. And that is what they're counting on. They're counting on you getting the best deal. They trust themselves. They trust their deals. They know you're going to go there. You're going to look. You're going to see, wow, I can save myself significant amounts of money at rockauto.com. And in the how did you hear about us section, say locked on or locked on MLB, locked on Indians. Just make sure it says locked on so that's how they know you found out about them. Okay. After every commercial, I have to say okay. Uh, I understand that. And just like when I have to sit here and do some editing, uh, the 40,000 ums I am going to apologize for as well. Tonight is likely to be a bad pronunciation show. Let's uh, mention that. At the end of the longer-running show yesterday, I talked about how someone had asked me, what's my Indians dream team? Well, it has not been a year of dreams for anyone for the most part. I know it's been a brutal year for mine and my family. Uh, So instead of a dream team, I somehow decided let's work on a nightmare team. What is the ultimate Indians prospect nightmare team? And to do this, I was going through baseball reference and I was using Baseball America's old top 100 lists when I could uh, find them to find all the guys who were top 100 prospects in all of baseball for the Cleveland Indians. Now, you have to do some cheating uh, in terms of positioning because I want the biggest busts. I want the worst players who were top 100 prospects. Uh, That means, okay, Mark Lewis has a negative 2.6 career war. He was a second overall pick. He was a top 10 prospect in all of baseball. Yeah, he's not, was never good. He's not a bust to the magnitude of other players because he also played for 11 years in the majors. Like, he found a role. He had a almost 3,000 plate appearances, I want to say. So it's he's not a bust that can measure up with some of these other guys on these lists uh, that I compiled here. Some of these guys made it to the majors, some did not. Uh, the overall theme is uh, nothing sustained. I debated Andy Marte. Uh, he played seven years in the majors, never had a complete season. It was interesting that even when a team like the Indians was trying him, he could not do enough to even get a full season. The performance was not good enough, but the talent that made him such a highly regarded prospect was always there, and he got uh, opportunities. But seven years in the majors uh, was just too much. He had too much experience to make this team, make this list. So I went through and I compiled. I looked at every player who'd been a top 100 prospect basically from like 1990 uh, until 2010, uh, maybe 2011. I I called it off around there um, just in terms of I thought, you know, there's a, we're still not, those players aren't, they're still, I I mean, for a top prospect from 2010, 11 or 12 they haven't made it yet the time is probably coming on 
but these guys we know for sure everything's in the books and it was also just you know what i had to gather to begin with and we had enough names to definitely make a team so if you want to view this from 1990 to 2010 the all nightmare team uh go ahead i will say one of the really interesting things compiling this list was uh do you know why the indians were good in the 90s they had very few names on this list they had very few guys who didn't turn i mean mark lewis is one of the worst prospects who was a top prospect for them that's that's where they were i mean they had very few busts now at the same time i mean i was high on guys like scott morgan and danny peoples towards the end of it and their drafting record was absolutely horrendous so maybe that's you know, you can't have top prospects when uh, you draft a guy and they fall off the map within a year, though we do have one of those guys on the list. And without further ado, let's get into it. Uh, let's start with pitching. The first player I wrote down as I was going through was uh, Darren Kirkwright, and he is the guy who the Indians drafted 11th overall out of UC Riverside and was the one who right away kind of fell apart uh, within a year, was a rated the 40th best prospect I want to say in baseball looking at that list uh didn't seem like an overdraft from what I recalled in previous uh digging into the history of some of these prospects just never missed bats and 11th overall pick spent a lot of years in the minors didn't retire until 2001 and he was drafted in the early 90s never made it to the majors never did enough to get that opportunity Darren Kirkwright was the first name to make it down uh, next up, Willie Martinez. Now, I saw Willie Martinez pitch quite a few times uh, back when it was the Canton-Akron Indians. Uh, I would go to that park. We They give away a lot of free tickets. That's what I remember. Uh, but I saw him pitch there, and it was interesting because he was the big prospect. But I remember sitting next to him and talking with a, a, some another kid was there with their dad, and he was saying that, you know, Steve Klein, that's the one to watch. Now, that ended up being true, and while Klein was never a top prospect, and Martinez was twice rated amongst the top 50 prospects in all of baseball, uh, he had one game in the majors, pitched three innings, a uh, great performance, actually, but he never got that extended look because while the Indians definitely needed pitching in the late 90s, again, he didn't miss bats, and he had a great year in Kinston and I want to say 97, and that's really what elevated the profile, but once he got to double-A and triple-A, he started just wasn't missing as many bats he didn't walk a lot of guys but he started having strikeout rates around five or six per nine and that just wasn't going to work and then when he repeated the levels the numbers got worse uh how about some bloodlines with our next all nightmare team selection tim drew first round pick who i feel like and this is just my memory of the time was a bit of a surprise pick uh brother was a big name at the time and he was a high schooler the numbers on the minors were kind of mediocre, which made it surprising because, again, this is when the Indians were good. It was a late first-round pick that he ever cracked the top 100 prospect. Uh, played in the majors about five seasons, less than 30 starts. Nothing in any of the profile that really stood out beyond uh, having some famous siblings. It is interesting, too. Like, so far, we're talking about an all-nightmare team, and the first three pitchers I wrote down, none of them were uh, due to arm injuries. Like, that's typically why we see some busts. And... The bust we're going to see uh, ha changes right here at J.D. Martin. Uh, there was a year where the Indians had like three first-round picks, and then the next year they had three first-round picks. Uh, Alan Horn was one of those guys they failed to sign, so they got a pick back. Uh, he went to the Yankees, became a top 100 guy, never made it to the majors. Uh, the most successful from that group, J.D. Martin. He had some arm issues in the minors, struggled through it, eventually did get a cup of coffee, I believe, with the Nationals. 
uh, was a back of the top 100 guy, but was one of those first-round picks who had some good moments pre-injury, never quite uh, came back around. One of the highest-rated pitchers we have to talk about on this list is someone we will talk about in a moment. But first, Postmates! Uh, Postmates is a fantastic sponsor. It's a sponsor I use. I've talked about when I'm traveling, sometimes when I go to visit family, Postmates can be nice if you're in an area uh, that you're not familiar with because it allows you to see what's around you. You see what can be delivered. You can see what uh, what is there that you may not know about. It's a great discovery tool. Not only is it a great tool for allowing you to be a bit lazy, allowing you to stay in, allowing you to get everything you need brought to you 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Postmates brings it to you. It's also a discovery tool to find out what's in your area, what you're missing out on, what you don't know. Uh, just download the app, use that promo code locked on, all one word, and you're going to get $100 of free delivery credit for the first seven days. Just download the app to see what's in your area, enter the code, and see what's there. You try something, look what's new, look what's different, have some fun with it. Uh, you know, the obvious use for Postmates is to bring things to you to allow you to be lazy, have them bring you your groceries, have them bring you dinner, have them bring you uh, something you need from the corner store. I know there's so many times with my kiddo where I'm like man I don't want to take her out with the way the world is right now but I could we need batteries for this toy uh post made it perfect use for that but also it's a great tool for just discovering what's around you there's always things you don't know so download postmates use that promo code locked on all one word so the tease from before the break was for Adam Miller uh let's go with another injury guy you probably thought I was going to talk about him before JD Martin Adam Miller was the next guy. He was the dude. He was the heir apparent to CC Sabathia. He was supposed to be uh, a huge part of the 2007 Indians, the team that blew it against the Red Sox. He was supposed to be the guy, uh, the next man up. It was not going to be Cliff Lee. It was going to be Adam Miller. He was probably the most hype pitching prospect um, maybe of my life with the Indians. Because when you get right down to it, you know, uh, Trevor Bauer's stock was down when the Indians acquired him, and he didn't come right to the majors, and there were some ups and downs and some concerns there, and even early in his career, a lot of ups and downs. Kluber is never a pro- top prospect. Clevenger, Bieber, none of these guys top prospects. Uh, Sabathia, you know, was, and that's probably the only other one I could think, but M- Miller had all the tools, and it was just that his finger blister, and he could never get his grip right, and it just, yeah, Adam Miller, the, kind of the great what uh what could have been now i would often confuse adam miller and our next person alex white uh white was a first round pick out of uh unc and he unc for a time there was a massive powerhouse and i think i'm trying to think i think he overlapped with matt harvey there and both those guys got to unc and didn't develop much like there was a feeling that they i remember that like man alex white is here in the middle of the first round wasn't he a big big name a few years ago and the Indians had him, and he, as an polished college pitcher, destroyed the lower minors, and they used him as a trade asset at the right time. And he pitched two years in the majors with Colorado and was pretty quickly um, done. Speaking of uh, first-round picks who were polished pitchers, Jeremy Sowers. Uh, I'm not sure if there's someone I blew a scouting report on more than him. You know, I've talked about before. I remember reading... Peter Gammons comparing him to Tom Glavin before he came up. I mean, the hype there was pretty unbelievable. And it's easy to see why there was a lot of hype. Let's just talk. Gets drafted in 2004. They don't have him pitch that year. 2005 pitches in high A, double A, triple A. That's kind of unheard of when you think about the Cleveland Indians. A guy in his first season after being drafted 
is starting in high A and pushed all the way up to triple A. Back then, they were even slower with promotions. Uh, so that that's a lot in one year. And that year, he, uh, he missed bats in a way he never did after that, unfortunately. And while that was just 2005, you go to 2000... Or that was 2000, yeah, it was 2005. 2006, he starts the year in Buffalo. 15 starts. His ERA is a 139. Now, he's only striking out 5 per 9, which is a concern. But uh, not getting hit hard, not walking anyone. He never did really get hit super hard outside of the majors and never really did walk anyone. Goes up to Cleveland, and you're thinking, you know, 2006 season in Cleveland, yeah, he's got an ERA under four. You go back to those days, things like that stood out. But when you look at those indicator stats, like his his FIP was not great, and all the signs were that this was probably not sustainable. And yeah, you can't strike out 3.6 per nine and be an effective starter. You just can't. And uh, Sowers never pitched again in the majors after 2009. Did have 72 games. He's probably the one guy who you maybe consider taking off this list. But I just I felt like he's one of those you kind of have to mention. Jake Dittler. Deitler. Uh There we go. First pronunciation. Second round pick in 2001 out of Green Valley High School in Henderson, uh, Nevada. He was a 99th ranked player in 2004. So really back end there. 2004, he uh, was probably pre-2004. Yeah, so 2003. He pitches in low and high A and has an ERA under of a little over two and a half. Again, not missing a lot of bats, and that's what kind of got to him. Never made it to the big leagues. Um, pitched with Texas after uh, leaving Cleveland. Walk rates were low, but started to rise, and the lack of bat missing. But he was good enough to, uh, to make a top 100, so we got to talk about him pitching-wise. Jason Knapp. If you mention him, you know, he was the guy they wanted. This was a, a period in point in time where they made a series of trades, and Knapp was one of the, uh, they were going for high upside pitching. We'll talk about Jason, ha- or Jason, Jason Knapp is who I am talking about. Nick Hagedone is the other guy who they got about the same time. And Knapp was really, for lack of a better word, he was just unbelievable uh, that 2018 season in uh, Lakewood. It was a half a year, and it was one of those half a years that he shot up boards. Uh, let's see. Let's pull the stats. I feel like I must... You know, it's one of those things. You look at it, and it's like he actually... Uh, he was he was striking out 11.7 per nine. He had a walk rate of 4.1. There were good numbers in 85 innings. He would get to Lake County, pitch 11.2 innings. 2010, he pitches 28.1. 2000, yeah, 28.1. Doesn't pitch again until 2014 where he'll pitch 32 innings in the minors. So when you get down to it, he pitched 39 innings, 40 innings for the Cleveland Indians once acquired as the centerpiece of that deal. Uh, just could not get healthy. Uh, was probably a, you know, like I said, I have no doubt that he was the centerpiece. The performance in that first half a year had him in like the top 50 prospects uh, at points. But it just couldn't get healthy, couldn't get there. Uh, Nick Hagedone was... A first-round pick who had been a reliever in college and a starter. The Indians, when he acquired him, he was still working as a starter. And 143 games in the majors. Uh, only 2014 was the one season where the the numbers were super strong. And, you know, 2011, his debut was only nine games. He can't take much. You know, not a terrible fit, honestly, in 2015, his last year in the majors. It's kind of surprising with his stuff. 
um, and being left-handed. Now he does have a negative career war, but still, 2009, the the uh, his FIP was a three uh, three eighty nine. That you know should show a chance of further success. Uh, I think there was with the Indians an issue with him and arbitration and uh, maybe them sending him down when he felt like he didn't deserve it. Whatever the case, in 2015, uh, I'm assuming injuries occur. I can't remember the top of my head. Doesn't pitch in 2016, pitches in AAA for Seattle in 2017, but never gets back to the big leagues. And then the last pitcher of note, Chuck Lofgren. Now, Chuck Lofgren was a, I want to say, a second-round pick, and this was when the Indians minors were at the worst that I can recall. This is, you know, right around uh, 2007 where they had almost nothing left in their minors. Um, they, they, you know, he was a number one, number two prospect in a system that did not have much there. Uh, baseball Prospectus had him pre-2007, 35th, 54th in Baseball America, and then pre-2008, he was 71st. Lefty, uh, two-way guy, I think he tried to make a comeback as a pitcher or as a hitter. I'm sorry, he's a fourth-round pick. Uh, Junipero Sarah High School, big baseball program. Uh, he, you know, he's motoring through the system fine. Uh, looked t- 2005, 2006, and low and high A. The 2006 season, which is that pre-2007 season when he had all the high rankings, striking out eight per nine, a walk rate under four. Uh, his ERA was a 2-3-2. Low hit rate, low home run rate, everything's looking good. 2007, he pitches in uh, in Akron and some in Buffalo. And there were things going on in his life at the time, I know. Um, things going on uh, with his mom and a battle with cancer, which, you know, obviously that is going to take a toll on him. Uh, he, you know, he... he it was a, a bit of a struggle. The 2007, 2008 was another season. It, like the control kind of got away from him. Uh, very small sample size there. He worked his way back, and 2009 had an interesting, you know, season amongst the minors. Pitched well in Akron, not as well in Columbus. Uh, went to Milwaukee. Went to San Francisco. Went over to Australia for a bit. Uh, it pitched in Brisbane uh, in a foreign league. Pitched pretty well there for 62 innings uh i'm trying to find i swear he was a two-way guy i see two games in the outfield uh didn't really get an extended opportunity but i thought he was going to try to come back it as a hitter at one point in time really good athlete really interesting player um it does say starting pitcher and right fielder when you look at his bio one of those guys though that uh you know we'll talk about nick weglars uh, on tomorrow's show when we get into the hitters on this uh, kind of all nightmare squad. This ended up being a pitcher's edition, but where so much of their value was based entirely off of low A performance or uh, high A performance, and that's when I came up in the Indians minors as a writer, as it were. Uh, no, I did not ever play minor league baseball, but my first exposure in diving into prospects was during the Lofgren and the Weglars and the. Uh, Kelvin De La Cruz, Alexander Perez, names like that. If you're an Indians fan, you might remember these names. A lot of them made their bones at uh, Abner Abreu in Rookie Ball, Mahoning Valley, Low A, and Low A mostly. Not as much in High A. Uh, there were some who did that, but a lot of Low A. And it's definitely where I kind of learned to be like, 
I'm not going to trust a performance until a guy gets a little higher. I'm not going to go all in on anyone uh, below high A. I'm just, I'm going to get intrigued and uh, by a good performance, but I'm not going to dive headfirst into um, numbers just because I had seen too many guys where it, you know, it, it just did not come together. Um, sometimes, you know, I talked about uh, Perez. It was due to injury. Uh, Kelvin De La Cruz, he was, there was the Latin triumvirate, and it was him and the other two lesser guys. Like, he was the big name at the time, you know, the six foot five lefty, uh, Hector Rondon, and um, um, uh, Genmar Gomez. Those were the three. And De La Cruz, specifically off of, was it Haye Kinston? No, it was, was it the, I'm trying to find the exact year. Like, he's one of those just stands out for me because he had this one season where everyone got super excited. And I think, yeah, it was 2008 where he pitched in mostly in... No, that's not right. Sorry, people. It was, yeah, Lake County, so low A. 2 point, or 169 ERA in 18 starts, 95 innings, 9 strikeouts per 9, 3.2 walk, uh, 6.7 hit. And that was that 2008 season. You know, he was always kind of then viewed as like the premier guy in that group. And I, you know, I understood the why, but I just, he's the only one then who ended up not making it to the majors. Uh, never really got back to that. It's, it is interesting. It's not to, to crap on anyone on this list or, you know, Chuck Lock, Lock, uh, Chuck Lofgren in, in particular, just he was the, the last one I had listed. But he is part of that group of guys that kind of really changed how I evaluate, changed what my criteria are, what I am looking at, um, the importance of various stats. I started to figure out then uh, for success and just how big a separator low and high A are, that there's an incredibly high amount of players who just end up stuck between those levels. and. That double A, double A probably is a bigger separator than the minors and the majors are. So it's just one of those things, and I'm I stick by that. I live by that. I, you know, there's a lot of prospects in the system that other people are much higher on than me, and that's just the way I, I operate and I view to this day. And it's it's inspired by some of these players on the list. You know, I, I Jake Dittler, I don't really remember. J D Martin was before I was doing a lot of investigations. Uh, Kirk Wright, I like have no memory of at all. Like he does not stick in any way. Martinez and Drew were people I saw as a, when I was a kid. Um, I was writing for White, Miller, Hagedone. Uh, Sowers was before that, but was someone I, I was intrigued by. Nap I was writing by. So that really helped inspire uh, what I do even to this day. Tomorrow we'll get into the uh, the offense of it all. I'm going to give you a bit of a sneak peek in this that I don't have a catcher on this list for all the Indians struggles and travails and the fact they have no catchers they don't have no catchers in system right now they have Bo Naylor uh, I'm really intrigued by Brian Levistita and then I, I don't know who's third I honestly don't know who's the third best prospect in the Indian system catching wise uh, they've not invested a ton of capital and they don't have anyone who's a top 100 prospect at catcher who failed. You know, Carlos Santana, Victor Martinez, those guys worked out. Uh, probably the closest I could get 
in again a preview would have been uh, Alex uh, Levesky who was one of the last times they really took a big role on a local kid and he they gave him as a let's see he was an eighth round pick out of Lakewood went to St. Ed's they gave him a million dollars as an eighth round pick you don't see that too much anymore this was one of their the uh, 2010 draft where they could spend without any worry of pools or anything like that it was just a hand you know like basically it shake their uh, their finger at you like you went over the pool but there was no penalties or anything and you know that was the Pomeranz class and they gave a lot of money to Washington uh, and Tony Wolters and Alex Levisky and supposedly you know I think Stetson Alley was the guy they actually wanted in round two he didn't get to them and even some like bigger price guys later on in the draft like Tony uh, Dischler got a, a big bonus uh, of you know over 255 255000 as a 23rd round pick is not insignificant. And they made some real attempts on some of these guys that they did not sign. Uh, Cody Allen, well, Cody Allen was not someone they made a big attempt on. I remember I was really intrigued by Cody Allen that year, and then they uh, they drafted him actually later in 2011 to sign him. Uh, but there were a lot of players, because they knew that that change was coming on the horizon, and they had this opportunity. Bobby Wall was one of those guys I was looking for who they made a real attempt to sign as a high school player um, and you can just go through and look through that whole class it's kind of fun to look at the 2010 class because even in a lot of the guys they didn't sign have made it to the majors at least they have some war value and the Indians were trying they were making attempts because they had this window where they could go and sign players uh, it, they were a big spender right before the system changed which was unfortunate uh, in regards to just the overall way things worked out but yeah, it's a it's a fun class. It's an interesting class. It made me think about Robbie uh, Aviles for the first time in a while. I was really high on him. Uh, I think this was actually the first class I wrote forty profiles for because I uh, Nick uh, Bart Bartolone I remember was like the first mystery man where I could not dig up anything on him as a player. Uh, I did that name stuck out. Drafted in two thousand ten out of the system uh, by two thousand twelve. So. Um, in that case, lack of information wasn't a big deal. But, hey, he got a $125,000 to play baseball for three years, so that's not too bad. I am running long, as always. Uh, as the evenings get later that I am recording, my uh, overall chatter gets worse. So I want to thank you for sticking around. Remember, tomorrow we're going to do the Nightmare Team uh, Hitter Edition. I Again, I'm kind of fudging some, some data. If someone played a position... Uh, I'm going to shift them and have them play uh, maybe not their primary position. It's uh, a list that definitely is, it, it shows a lot. Let me put it that way, more so than the pitching. Like the pitching, you can look at all those guys and be like, what's the common theme? For most of them, it was they couldn't miss bats. They were not striking out enough guys. A few were injuries. And it is interesting that even back then, there wasn't control problems. And we know now that the Indians target control pitchers more than they ever have but even going back to you know the 90s these were control pitchers by and large uh the hitters are going to definitely tell you what they develop well and what they don't develop well there is a definite pattern in the group of hitters they have taken and what you can see that has been 30 years of struggles in terms of development i've been jeff ellis you can find me on twitter at jeff mlb draft i know i have not released that mock yet i'm hoping for friday uh, i'm gonna really <laughs> buckle down tomorrow night uh, before I record the podcast and get those uh, those articles up uh, before some more teams get eliminated. 
thank you again for listening, reading, and reviewing. I got a Google alert today, thanks to the WKYC podcast about myself for once. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Thank you all. It's because you download, you listen, you tell a friend, you're watching the video, that stuff like that occurs. So again, just thank you from the bottom of my heart. And as always, go tribe.